0: honor. Honor is a part of our culture at the neighborhood church. We believe that we honor one another. God is honored. God is honored as we recognize the good work he does through and in people. And so today, this weekend, we honor our wonderful ladies. We honor you for your sacrifice. We honor you for your intelligence. We recognize and appreciate your compassion. I've had in my life three ladies, more than that, but three ladies especially, who've had a huge and significant impact on my life. And the first is my mom. She had a huge influence on me. She loved dad. She loved her kids. She loved her family. She loved God. And she loved the Lord's church. And that left a mark on me that I carry to this day. I think of my mother-in-law, great, great great lady. Miss her. We'd go visit her. We'd go visit her and dad. And a visit with mom and dad. Mugford was never complete if we didn't take some time to worship and pray and look into the scriptures together. And her final words after those visits were always that such sweet, sweet fellowship. Great lady. And then uh, I'd be remiss to not mention uh, my wife, the mother of our three sons, intelligent, witty, hardworking, sacrificial lady. Many of you maybe see that side of her. What I see is a woman who knows how to pray, knows how to cry out to God. A woman who who loves God's word. Three women, three great women. I would describe them as godly women. There was a time in my life when I heard people describe other people as godly, and and I kind of thought, well, they're just saying that because they can't think of anything else to say, so they'll just describe them as godly. But... I think the greatest compliment any person can receive is being called godly. These three women, my mom, my mother-in-law, my wife are godly women. Abraham Lincoln said, no man can ever be poor if he had a godly mother. No man can ever be poor if he had a godly mother. I'm blessed. I've had godly women in my life. Bible is full of all kinds of stories of, of mothers, of ladies. There's Eve, and there's Sarah, and there's Rachel, and there's Rebecca. and. Jochebed, and in the New Testament, Elizabeth and Mary and Eunice, the list goes on and on and on. But today I want us to look at a lady from Scripture whose name we don't even know. And I think uh, as we look into this story in Mark chapter 7, we're going to just glean some really good and exciting truths. Beginning of Mark chapter 7, Jesus finds himself in the midst of a discussion with the scribes and the Pharisees about the traditions and beliefs and commandments that are contained in the law. It's It's a discussion with the religious leaders and It really centers around the fact that Jesus wasn't making sure his disciples washed their hands before they ate din-din. This was really driving the Pharisees and the scribes crazy. My mom taught me to wash my hands. I'm grateful for that. Pharisees obviously thought this was a matter of religious uh, purity. It was a matter of godliness. And Jesus had this to say to them in response to that. Uh, Verse number six, last half of verse number six in Mark chapter seven. This people honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. And he goes on to amplify that discussion after further debate with these religious leaders. And he says halfway through verse 18, Mark chapter 7, do you not see that whatever goes into a person from outside cannot defile him? Don't you get that? Whatever goes into a person from outside cannot defile him. Since it enters not his heart but his stomach and is expelled. Very interesting phrase now. Thus he declared all foods clean. Don't know where your theology is on that, but hear the words of the gospel today. Thus he declared all foods clean. And he said, what comes out of a person is what defiles him. For from within, out of the heart of man, come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, foolishness. All these evil things come from within, and they defile a person. So he's in this discussion with the religious leaders about what really matters. And it's not about doing all the outward stuff right, honoring God with your lips, but having a heart that is far from him. We look after the condition of our hearts. So Jesus finishes this discussion. And uh, he goes, verse number 24, Mark chapter 7, and arises and goes away to the region of Tyre and Sidon. And he entered a house and did not want anyone to know. Jesus goes into hiding. You see, friends, the simple truth is there's nothing more exhausting than talking and spending time with religious people. And Jesus had just had this cross and the, the T's and dot in the I's discussion with these Pharisees and scribes, and he was exhausted. So he goes, and he goes to Tyre and Sidon, and he doesn't want anyone to know. Doesn't want anyone to know. Only time in the Gospels as far as I know where Jesus went directly into a pagan land. And it's happening here in Mark chapter seven. It's going to the region of Tyre and Sidon. It's, it's 20 miles northwest of Capernaum. That's where he based his ministry. Capernaum is on the very northern end of what you would call Palestine, the promised land. Uh, this area Tyre and Sidon uh, is now part of Lebanon in the time of Christ. It was part of the Roman Empire known as Syria. Uh, that's why this woman is known as, we don't have a name for her, but she's known as the Syrophoenician woman, the Syria-Phoenician woman, the Syrian who lives in the Phoenicia area, Syrophoenician lady. And why was he up in this area? Simply because the religious people had worn him out. Maybe you're tired today because you're too religious. Maybe you're tired today because you hang out with too many religious people. Hmm. So he tries to hide. Doesn't want anybody to know where he is. End of verse 24. But he could not be hidden. It's really hard to hide a bright light. It's really hard to hide a bright light. And Jesus comes into light into this area that is defined as one of the most ungodly pagan parts of the world, the time Christ was alive. And he's trying to hide and there's a lady who goes looking for him. Now you say, how in the world could they even know who he is? Well, if you go back to uh, Mark chapter 3, Mark chapter 3, verses 7 and 8, let me find it here, Mark 3, 7 and 8, we read that uh, Jesus withdrew with his disciples to the sea a great call crowd followed from him from Galilee to Judea, and Jerusalem and Idumea, and from beyond the Jordan, and from around Tyre and Sidon. There was this great crowd that came to see what Jesus was doing. Jesus had never been to the pagan land of Tyre and Sidon, but the people of Tyre and Sidon had heard all these great things Jesus was doing, and remember it's only 20 miles northwest from where he, he made his base of ministry. So Tyre and Sidon had seen the miracles he'd done. Tyre and Sidon had seen what he's done. And now Jesus tries to sneak into this area to hide and get some rest. But in small towns, everyone knows everything. And pretty soon the word got out and this lady heard that Jesus was around. And I think we learned three quick lessons from her. And the first one is this lady went looking for Jesus. This lady went looking for for jesus immediately a woman whose little daughter had an unclean spirit came found him fell down at his feet her first response her immediate response is oh jesus is here i will go find him she did that immediately She didn't do it after nothing else had worked. She didn't do it after the bank wouldn't lend her some money that might help her daughter get healed. She didn't do this after she'd gone to the doctor. She went first and foremost immediately to Jesus, and she bowed before him. This unnamed woman was a godly woman. This unnamed woman was a godly woman. No man, no woman is poor if they have a godly mother. This was a godly woman. She went looking for Jesus. The second thing that stuck out in this story as I meditated on it, thought on it, read about it this week was... This lady wouldn't take no for an answer. Mark chapter 7, uh, verse 26. This woman was a Gentile, a Syrophoenician by birth, and she begged him to cast the demon out of her daughter. This woman was quadruply marginalized. How do you like that phrase? Made it up myself. Quadruply marginalized. She was a woman. Women didn't have authority in that culture. They weren't recognized in that culture. She uh, not only was a woman, she was a Gentile. Uh, And then she was uh, a Syrophoenician by birth. She was a foreigner. Quadruply marginalized a woman, a Gentile, a foreigner, and she had a daughter who was demon-possessed. And there must be something wrong with her if somehow a demon came in and possessed her daughter, quadruply marginalized. She hadn't, in the eyes of the people, kept all the rules. If she'd kept the rules, the good Jewish rules, and of course, she's a foreigner, she didn't. And so she was unworthy of coming to Jesus. And she came with the need in her family. And Jesus says to her in verse 27, Let the children be fed first, for it is not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. Some people think Jesus, as a result of this phrase, didn't lead a sinless life because this was a sinful, mean, unkind thing to say. It's not as unkind as you might think it is. Uh, Dogs were certainly despised in the culture of that time. Uh, Big dogs were scavengers. They looked around, they chased garbage, Uh, they ate corpses. Dogs were despised in that culture. They were dirty, they were mean, uh, mean mean-spirited. But there were also dogs that were pets. And interestingly, if you read the Amplified Version or the Amplified Classic Version or the New King James Version, that comes out in this verse where it says, it's not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the little dogs. The little dogs were, were different. They were allowed in the house. They belonged in the house. And Jesus says to her, let the children be fed first." At first, Uh, It's not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the little dogs. But the lady wasn't put off by that. She says in verse 28, yes, Lord, you're right. You're right. She recognized she was not a lady of right status, a lady of right position. She did not live on the right side of the tracks. But she comes back and says, you're right, Lord, but please, please, please. Can I just get some crumbs from your table? Can I just get some of the crumbs from the table? Didn't take no for an answer. I was thinking about my late Aunt Eleanor this week, and she raised... Four fine adults, my cousins, three of them were guys. One of them in his high school years got off track significantly. And she was so worried about him, so concerned about him. But my aunt (laughs) wouldn't take... uh, His off-trackedness is the final state of his life. And she cried out to God, and she prayed, and she prayed, and she prayed. And, oh, God, come, come, come. Do what needs to be done in my family. Do what needs to be done in my home. Do what needs to be done for my son. And the story has a great ending. Her son has... uh, led missions trips for high school students all over the world in his position of as vice-principal of a Christian school. She wouldn't take no for an answer. She wouldn't take what appeared to be something that was going all off track. She wouldn't take it, take no for an answer. She went in there and she believed God to do something. If I heard this twice from my mother-in-law, I heard it 20 times, and if I heard it 20, I'm sure I heard it 40. Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 35, when Don and I would find ourselves going through uh, some interesting or difficult experiences, she would say, Uh, remember John, and she'd quote Hebrews 10.35, do not throw away your confidence, which has a great reward. She's saying don't give up. Don't take no for an answer. Don't throw away your confidence. This was a godly woman here, this Syrophoenician woman. She would not take no for an answer on behalf of her daughter. There is no poor man, there is no poor woman who has a godly mother. This woman was a godly lady. And then the last thing I see in this story is this mother won the battle for her child this mother won the battle for her child oh god just give me some crumbs from the table jesus just give me some crumbs some crumbs some crumbs from the table all i need jesus is give me some of the crumbs she didn't accept the theology that god wouldn't respond to someone because They were a woman, or God wouldn't respond to somebody because they were born on the wrong side of the track. God wouldn't respond to somebody, not respond to somebody because they uh, were born in a foreign country. God would not respond to somebody. She didn't believe any of this stuff. God would not respond to her because her husband should be the one who's praying. She did not respond to a theology that says, Oh, you probably won't get anything from Jesus. You don't belong to the right denomination." She didn't accept any of that. She just went to Jesus, a lady who's quadruply marginalized, and said, Oh God, just give me some crumbs. Just give me some crumbs. And notice what Jesus says to her in verse number 29 For this statement, just give me some crumbs. For this statement, just give me some crumbs. You may go your way, the demon has left your daughter. <laughs> Didn't even lay hands on the daughter. Go your way, the demon has left your daughter. And mum came home and found the child lying in bed and the demon gone. There's no such thing as a poor child, a poor man or a poor woman. Who has a godly mother ladies i salute you today we honor you we need you you bring a dimension into our homes a dimension into our families a dimension into our church a dimension into our city that if it was left to us guys we'd be struggling so much don't marginalize yourself don't minimize your importance Your godliness, your pursuit of Jesus is a difference maker. Pursue him. Pursue him with all of your heart. And so even now, we're just going to take some time and bless you and pray for you. Because you are a difference maker for all of us. We love you. We are so grateful, so grateful for all of you. May God bless you in Jesus' wonderful name. Let's pray together.